Open up our Bibles to Genesis 22. I do want to welcome, uh, I didn't do that, welcome all the Facebook family that's watching on Facebook today. Welcome. And we do want to ask you to, uh, to like and share uh, the post just to get the word out and let other people, more people see that. So uh, make some comments on it. If you, if, you, uh, if you like something that says, shout amen, amen, put it in capital letters or something and let us know you're watching, let us know, let us know you're enjoying that and that would be good. So, uh, so thank you for joining with us and, and, uh, and being part of our family with us. Amen. So the last few weeks we have been, actually for about six weeks now, we have been, uh, five weeks I guess, we have been talking about the names of God. And we have been looking at the different names, uh, different attributes. We've talked about how that, you know, God revealed Himself. All of these names we're looking at are names that, a couple of points that just that we've made through this, is that all of these that we are looking at uh, throughout the old the old covenant, and then we're we're uh, we are threading it into the new covenant to see how Jesus um, how Jesus is the the manifest the manifested uh, uh, attribute that we find in the old covenant. In other words, every everything that God revealed Himself to be, we find in Jesus, and we're seeing that you know in all these names that we've already looked at. And, but these are all names that God gave Himself. These are not names that somebody, that somebody said, hey, let's call Him this. No, this, this is when He showed up and He said, this is who I am to you. And, and the people name you know, places after Him and, and situations and different things like that. And usually we find, and just like today is a prime example, that God reveals an attribute or a, um, a part of who He is in the middle of a crisis. It's like in the middle of this situation where, where we're going to be looking at Jehovah Jireh this morning. And this is the story of Abraham when he took his son. God told him to take his son to sacrifice him uh, there on Mount Moriah. And, and, you know, in the middle of that, right when Abraham, at, at, the, at the very last minute, God revealed himself, revealed an attribute of himself to Abraham. And it's, it's you know, and it's just an incredible story here. And we'll take a look at it. But... Um, but, you know, these are names that God revealed Himself. And as God reveals Himself to the people in the Old Covenant, to the people of the Old Testament, one thing we know is this, God never changes, so that's still who He is to us. Amen? Now, we've looked at four different names already. Let's see if y'all, let's see if y'all have, uh, can pass the test on what these mean. Alright? So the first week we looked at the very first name that God revealed Himself as, and that is Elohim. Who, know, who remembers what Elohim means? The Creator, the strong and mighty one, right? It was Genesis 1-1. And in the beginning, God. That word God is Elohim, the strong and powerful Creator. And He's still that today. He's still the strong and all-powerful Creator. Amen? The second week, the second week we looked at the name Yahweh, um, and also Yahweh slash Jehovah. Jehovah being the English translation of Yahweh. Um, but Yo- Jehovah and Yahweh. And in that... Uh, we, we saw that, we saw that, that Jehovah and Yahweh, he is, that is the relational side of God. In other words, when Moses asked, Moses asked God, that was where Moses, where God revealed himself there at the burning bush, and he asked, he said, he said, who am I going to tell him sent me? You know, what's your name? I mean, tell me who you are, you know, so that I can tell them. And that's when he revealed himself as Yahweh. Up to that point, they had they did not know God as Yahweh. And as a matter of fact, a lot of times, uh, some people even refer to him, some, you know, in historians, and as, as we read up to that, but some people refer to him as the no-name God. In other words, 
they, there were attributes that, that, you know, that he revealed himself as, but really until Exodus, until, until he revealed himself, when Moses asked him, what's your name? You know, people called him at all kinds of different names. And as a matter of fact, we, we read last week, we saw where God even told Moses, he said, he said, Abraham, Isaac, and Joseph, he said, they, they, didn't, they don't know me as Yahweh. He said, they knew me as El Shaddai. We looked at that last week. He said, they've known me as El Shaddai. They don't know me as Yahweh. And so, you know, so when, when he introduced himself to Moses as Yahweh, the great I Am, you know, the relational God, then that, that was his name, and that's still his name today. He's, and, and he wants us to know that he wants a relationship with us. That's who he is. You know, you can know him by a lot of different things, but until you get to know him as Yahweh, until you get a relationship with him, that's, that's, when, that's when it becomes personal. Amen. When you really get to know Him. The third week we looked at Adonai. Anybody remember what Adonai means? Master or Lord. And we, you remember the two, the difference between Jehovah and Yahweh and Adonai in the Scripture, in the King James translation anyway, and in some of the new translations they don't do this, but in the King James and the New King James and some of the uh, original translations, you, you'll find that the, the, when, when you see the, the word Lord, L-O-R-D, when you see it in all capital letters, that is Jehovah or Yahweh. When you see Lord with a capital L and a little O-R-D, that is Adonai. And, you know, and, and we've talked about this so many times, and I've, I've shared this so many times, that, and, and well, even BJ mentioned this morning in the stories that we read. Sometimes we just read it at face value. We see a word and we think we know what it means. We see a title and we think we know what it means. But until you dig in and, and, and really understand what he's talking about, uh, you miss a huge part of the story. You know, just like what, what, what BJ shared this morning about, about that, you know, about him coming in and clean, cleansing the, the tent or running the, 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 you know, the people that was making a profit on, on the people buying things. You know, if you just read that at face value, oh, well, he just didn't want people, you know, taking advantage of the church and da 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 and all this. I mean, that, and that, that is an aspect of it. But until you dig in and understand that, you would have no idea that he's talking about the, you know, cleansing the uncircumcised mindset out of, out of the Christian's life. You know, so, so, so yes, we read the, the book at face value. We read the Bible at face value. But when you, see, here's the difference. When you start understanding who he is and when you start learning him and knowing him as Yahweh and Elohim and Adonai, and El Shaddai, you start, you start understanding those attributes of Him, you start looking at Scripture differently. You know, that's why we're doing this series on the names of God. Because we want to know God as He is. 2020, you know, the Bible, or, or you know, the Lord told us at the beginning of 2020, at the end of last year, that, that 2020 was going to be a year that we see as God sees. That was the word the Lord gave us here at Destiny for that. And, you know, for 2020. And I still believe that's what he's doing. He's wanting us. And I love that. I love that. The, what did you call it? The fifth scene? You know, I love that is a, that, I mean, that was a perfect example of, you know, of, of understanding where our focus is. When we focus on the, the wrong thing, you know, we, man, when you, when you focus on all the problems, the problems get bigger. But when you focus on Him and you focus on the right things, you start understanding that, that, you know, who He has revealed Himself to be to us, there really is no problem. I mean, there's, there's not a competition between who's going to win this thing, God or Satan. There's not, I mean, yeah, yeah, but look at the world, look at how bad the world, no, there's no competition. 
I mean, my focus is on Him. I'm not worried about what the devil's doing. Why? Because I know God can protect me. Now, I'm not ignorant of His ways. I mean, I understand that, and, and we, we, we understand that side of it. But listen, when, when you focus, when you get your focus on the right thing, all of a sudden the power and the ability and the, the resources and everything you need is there. Yeah. And we're going we're gonna to see that even today. So, so Adonai was Lord and Master. And then last week we looked at El Shaddai. And uh, anybody remember what El Shaddai means? The Almighty. I mean, that, that was... Yep. Sufficient. Thank you. That was the word I was looking for. Uh, you know, the, like the translation of El Shaddai, a lot of times when you see the Almighty, the word Almighty, that is El Shaddai. But, but the, what, you know, the, the main point we made last week was that He revealed Himself to Abraham as the, as the all-sufficient one. That He was sufficient... To meet any need Abram would ever have. And he changed his name to Abraham. And at the time, he didn't even have a kid yet. But when, and we turn over to Romans 4, and we saw in Romans chapter 4, where he said that at 99 years old, Abraham got this revelation of who God was. And it was from that point that the Bible says that Abraham's faith was not shaken. He didn't look at the, at, at, at the, at the deadness of his body anymore, but now all of a sudden he had faith. Why? Because he realized that El Shaddai was, was who God was to him. In other words, it was God's sufficiency, not his. And when he saw that it was God's sufficiency, that, and it wasn't all about him, but it was all about God, when he realized that, then the next thing you know, Sarah's pregnant, and now here's their promised son, Isaac. Because he realized that he's not in this by himself. The all-sufficient one, El Shaddai, is with him. And guess what? El Shaddai is still with us. It's his sufficiency, not us. Yeah, but I just don't have the resource. I don't have the. I I don't know how to do that. Well, you don't have to know how to do what God calls you to do, because it's his sufficiency that meets those needs. It's his provision that meets those needs. It's everything. It's all about him. That's who he wants to be to you, if you will allow him to be that. Amen. So that was El Shaddai. So that was last week. So this week, we're going to fast forward. Last week, you know, with El Shaddai, that was, that was when Abram was 99 years old, and he still hadn't had a son yet. When God revealed Himself to, to, uh, you know, to him as El Shaddai, that's when him and, or Sarah became pregnant. They had Isaac. And, and, you know, now we fast forward somewhere between 10 to 20 years. We don't know exactly how old Isaac was at this moment, but, but if you'll open up to, uh, Genesis chapter 22. Genesis chapter 22 is where we pick up the story here. And today we're going to start looking at the, uh, it's what's called the, the, uh, the compound names of God. A lot of people call them even the redemptive names of God. Because, because the next six or seven weeks, possibly even eight weeks, we're going to be looking at names like Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Shalom, Jehovah Rafi, Jehovah, you know, you know, Sidkenu, Jehovah, uh, just, you know, it's going to be the, the compound names. It has Jehovah on it. Remember, Jehovah being the relational God, being the powerful God, but then it adds another attribute to that. So today we're going to look at the first one that's introduced to us in the Bible and is Jehovah Jireh. And it comes from the story like we said, so Abraham and Sarah have Isaac, and and Isaac is starting to grow. And you can imagine, let's let's back up just a moment. 
Abraham and Sarah waited 25 years. God, Remember, God showed up to Abram when he was 75 years old, called him out from his people, and told him that he was going to bless him. His seed would, would, be, you know, would be blessed and the whole world would be blessed by him. 25 years passes. Abraham tries. Abraham and Sarah try to do it on, in their own mindset, you know, in their own ways. That's when, when he goes into to Sarah's maid and they have Ishmael and, you know, create a problem that's still with us today. And, you know, and, and uh, so, you know, they try and do it their own way, but that doesn't work. So God shows up and reveals himself as, uh, as El Shaddai, the all-sufficient one. So they have Isaac. Could you imagine? Now, just a lot of times we don't talk about this. I don't know that I've ever even really thought much about it. But could you imagine every time that Sarah and Jacob or Sarah and, and Abraham looked at little Isaac, they thought this through this young man. Through this baby, the whole world is going to be blessed. You know, that's what God promised him. That the whole world would be blessed through Isaac. So every time they saw Isaac, every time they saw him, they thought about the blessing that the whole world was going to receive through this, through this baby, through this man. And as he grew up, you know, I mean, I'm sure they kept, they kept wondering, I wonder when God's going to do something. I wonder how God's doing this. And I wonder how God's going to do that. And how's God going to tie all this together? How's all this going to work, you know? And, and so Isaac starts growing. He's five years old, ten years old, probably somewhere between twelve. We don't, we don't know exactly how old he was. Some people say as young as twelve. Other people say he could be as old as like twenty. I mean, you know, we don't know an exact age on him at this time of this story, but pretty safe to say he was in that teenage year time frame. Could be off some, but but regardless of the fact, you know, it's been a while. <laughs> you know, so then God shows up to Abraham again, and God speaks to Abraham, and this is where we pick the story up in Genesis 22, verse one. It says, "Now it came to pass after these things." That God tested Abraham. And don't let that word test uh, get in the way. You know, I was thinking, I was talking to Barry about this right before church, but uh, when I was reading this and I was asking the Lord how to talk about this, because how many of you know that, that it's one thing to, to say you have faith? It's one thing to read all about faith. It's one thing to, to, to declare, to read all the books, to say all the Brother Hagin quotes, to... to uh, you know, quote the scriptures and all this about faith. But how many of you know that it's not really until a trial comes that you, that you're, that you're, and your faith is really tested that you realize whether or not you really have faith? Because I'm telling you, I've been in situations where I thought I had, I thought my faith was pretty strong and I get blindsided and I realize, man, my faith was pretty weak. Because I, because it didn't take me but just that long to side up and start going against what God had said and start saying things that weren't what God said. Now, I know I'm not the only one. We've all been there. But what am I saying? You know, when it says that God come to test Abraham, now, I don't, I'm not one of these, I don't believe that God tests us. I don't think that He brings things into our life just to test us. To, to, you know, to things like that. But what I do believe is this, and, and you've heard me say this, I don't know how many times here at Destiny. I say this, that, that if something shows up on your doorstep, God knows that He has put on the inside of you everything you need to overcome that. 
Nothing will show up on your doorstep that you can't overcome. Amen. That doesn't mean it's always going to be easy. Now, I wish, I'm telling you, I wish I could tell you if you came to Destiny Bible Church and, and, and you listened to our teaching, that everything in your life would be easy, there would be no trials, that everything would be a bed of roses and everything would be great. But I would be wrong. <laughs> because we've all, we all face things every day in our life. Now, but here's, here's one thing I do want you to hear. I'm not saying that you have to lose. What I'm saying is you can be victorious over everything in your life. The question is how you handle it. Amen. So here God shows up. God shows up with this. God knocks at Abraham's door. Okay, Abraham. Here's the next step. Let's go. Now he knew. Now listen. He knew that Abraham was well able to pass this test. He knew that, that Abraham had it on the inside of him. And he says, so it says, God tested Abraham and God said to him, Abraham. And Abraham said, here I am. And God said to him, in verse 2, says, and God said, Take now your son, your only son, Isaac. It was like God was wanting to make sure that he took the right one, right? Take your son, your only son, the one whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. All right, time out. Isaac was God's promise. Isaac was the son that everybody that the world was going to be blessed by. Abraham waited 25 years for Isaac, for the promise of Isaac to come into his life. And now God's saying, go kill your son and offer him as a burnt offering? What? You know, I mean, but you know what we see Abraham do? Look at Abraham's reaction. Verse 3. So Abraham rose early in the morning. Now, we don't know. We don't know what kind of thoughts Abraham had. I mean, you know, now we do know, Romans 4 tells us, that, that you know, he understood that God was El Shaddai. Right? That he understood that God was the all-sufficient one. And here's what, you know, you have to remember, when God showed up to Abraham when he was 75 years old and told him to leave his father's house and go and, and to a place where God would show him, what did Abram do? He took his dad and took his nephew with him, and it cost him ten years of his life. And it cost him all kinds of trouble. And so this time when God shows up and says, Hey, take your son, your only son, the one you love, and go to a mountain I'll show you and offer him as a burnt sacrifice, Abraham just simply said this, Yes, sir. Why? Because he knew, now listen, this is important, because Abram knew that God was the sufficient one, and if God had promised him that, that through the whole world Isaac was going to be blessed, and that hadn't happened yet, Abraham knew that even though God had told him to go to that mountain, and we'll read this in Hebrews 11 in just a moment, but Abraham knew that the all-sufficient one, however he wanted to do this, that he was going to go to that mountain, offer that sacrifice, and him and Isaac were coming back home. Because God does not lie. And if God said it, it's going to happen. So see, Abram just said, yes sir, okay, I'll go. So he gets Isaac, he gets the wood, he, gets the, he takes a couple servants with him. 
Verse 3 says, Abraham rose up early in the morning, saddled the donkey, took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, he split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place which God told him. Then on the third day, now there's so much symbolism here. You have to understand as we read this, think of it this way. This was a picture of what God was going to, was going to do. Isaac was a picture of Jesus. Abraham was a picture of God. Okay? Notice here it says, on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes. There's, there's two different times Abraham lifts up his eyes here. And I want you to see this. When Abraham lifted up his eyes, he wasn't only looking in the natural. Abraham was looking spiritually as well. He was looking, he, he was looking past the natural. And I'll show you that in, in just a few moments. He was looking past the natural and he was seeing, really he was seeing into the future. He was seeing vision of what God would be, what God would do. So it says, on the third day, Abram lifted up his eyes and he saw the place afar off. So Abram said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. The lad, now listen to his words, the lad and I will go yonder and worship and we will come back to you. Notice the word we, right? Now, just remember, up in verse 2, God says, take Isaac and offer him as a burnt offering. Now, if you offer something as a burnt offering, the only way that, if something radical doesn't happen, the only way you're bringing it back is ashes. But Abraham told his, told his servants, you guys wait here. Me and the boys going back to worship, going up there to worship, and we're coming back together. Now hold your place there. Look over at Hebrews chapter 11. Let me show you this scripture. Now this, of course, is looking back on this, but, but look here by the Spirit of God what, what is said about Abraham. Abraham chapter, I mean, Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 17. Hebrews 11, verse 17. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. Now notice here in Hebrews, it says that he offered up Isaac. That he, in his heart, Abraham had already gave his son back to God. It said he offered up Isaac, and he who received the promise offered up his only begotten son of whom it was said, In Isaac your seed shall be called. Now look at verse 19. This is important. Concluding that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. Now look at the Amplified in that verse, verse 19. It says, For he, talking about Abraham, For Abraham reasoned that God was able to raise Isaac up, even from the dead. Indeed, in a sense, that Isaac was figuratively, was figuratively dead, potentially sacrificed. He did actually receive him back from the dead. So it says, so, I mean, long story short, what that's saying is this. When God said, offer your son as a sacrifice, Abraham said, my son is dead to me. I'm, he, I'm giving him back to the Father. Yeah, but I thought, I thought, that, it was, I thought that that was the promise. It is. But here's what I know. I know that if God is asking this of me, then God has something bigger in store. And it's still going to include Isaac. I don't know how it's going to look. I don't, know, I don't have all the answers. But I know this. In my, you know, just as far as the way I see this, 
as he, those three days that he, that he took that journey to take Isaac up to Mount Moriah, the mountain that God would show him, in Abraham's heart, Isaac was dead. Because God said, offer your son as a sacrifice. Hebrews 11 says that the son that he offered up to God, right? Now, you might say, well, man, that's crazy. How does he do that? Well, let's go on and see this. Because Abraham knew. Remember, Abraham had this revelation now of El Shaddai, the sufficient one, who was all sufficient to take care of all this, whatever God, however God wanted to do this, God was going to take care of this situation. So we, we come up, it says that, uh, it says Abraham, he said, he said, me and the boy is going to worship and we'll come back. So Abraham, verse 6, and back in Genesis 22, so Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac his son, and he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abram his father and said, My father. And, and Abraham said, Here I am, my son. Then Isaac said, Look, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? So in other words, this had happened, Isaac had seen this process happen before. There had been many times when Abraham said, hey, it's time to make an offering to the Lord. They had the fire, they had the wood, they had a lamb. Isaac had watched his dad do this many times. They're, they're walking up the mountain, and, and Isaac starts looking around saying, wait a minute, we got the wood, you got the fire, where's the, where's the sacrifice at? Notice again what, how Abraham answered him. Verse 8, it says, Abraham said, my son, God will provide for Himself the lamb for a burnt offering. Can I say again that when Isaac looked up to Mount Moriah, when he got there, said he lifted up his eyes, I don't believe that he only saw just a mountain. I believe he saw into the future and he realized, because what, what you have to put, when you put two and two together, you realize this. The very place where, where Abraham built the, the sacrifice, built the altar, and put Isaac on, when we get there in the next verse, he builds the altar and he, he binds Isaac and puts him on the altar, is the very place where Solomon would build the temple. And the daily sacrifices would be offered at the exact same place that Abraham offered up Isaac at this very moment. Today, right now at this moment, the Dome of the Rock sits on that very spot. It's a Jewish mosque. But... But it, but you know, it, but most people, almost everybody, agree that where Abraham built this this altar was the very place that Solomon. Well, and then even even before that, it was the very place where David would offer sacrifices. The very place. I mean, this was a very symbolic place. This wasn't just any place. This was the mountain of God, and and it's still there today. There's seven mountains, seven. Uh, what, what they, they call them mounts with seven, uh, hills or what, how, I don't know how you want to describe that in Israel. And, and Golgotha, one of the hills where Jesus was sacrificed is very close to this very place where Abraham offered up Isaac. As a matter of fact, when it says that he looked, he lifted up his eyes in the next couple of verses, I believe when he lifted up his eyes, I believe he saw the place where Jesus would be crucified. When he saw the sacrifice that was that that God was getting ready to give him, so so Abraham said this. He said, "My son, God will provide for Himself the lamb for a burnt offering." So the two of them went on together. That that satisfied that satisfied 
Isaac's answer or question. He said, okay, so God will provide. That's good. So then verse 9 says, Then came to the place of which God had told him, and Abram built an altar there, placed the wood in order, and he built, and he, he bound Isaac his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abram stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. Now, I, in all seriousness, I don't know how this transpired. I mean, I don't know the conversations they had. You know, uh, Abram was 120 years old. Isaac was like 20. 1520. I don't think Abram could have overtaken Isaac and forced him to do this. Right? Remember, this is a prophetic picture of what would happen with God and Jesus. I don't believe God forced Jesus into coming to be the sacrifice. I believe Jesus willingly came. And just like I believe Isaac trusted his dad enough to where he said, okay, dad, if you're saying this, I trust you. Now, like I said, I, I don't have all the answers. I can't tell you how all that looked. All I, all I know, the Bible said that it happened, okay? And, and, I, and, and I trust that. So Abram bound him up, put him on the altar, took the knife, was getting ready to slay his son. Verse 11. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, here I am, here I am. And the angel said, Do not lay your hand on your lad or do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Now notice even in that wording, he says, you, you know, basically the angel of the Lord, most people believe that it was even, you know, Jesus or God that was saying this. He said, You have already, you, in your heart, you've already given your son. You have not withheld your son. And I, and I give you credit. For that. And notice what he says. He says, Then Abram lifted up his eyes. Here it is again. Abram lifted up his eyes and looked, and there behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. So Abram went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. Now, let's just ask the question. How long had that ram been there? <laughs> Have you ever seen an animal caught in a bush? Have, you know, I grew up on a farm. And we had a lot of briars and a lot of thickets and a lot of, you know, things out. And sometimes the, the cows will get stuck in there and like they'll get their, their horns stuck in things. And, and man, and they're not quiet when that happens. You know, if you, they get their head stuck, they're going to cause a, uh, a big enough ordeal to where they're going to get out or somebody's going to come help them. Alright, so, so here, in the, in, the, in the time that he's got his, his knife up, getting ready to slay his son, God says, don't do it, stop. You know, Abraham stops. And God says, you know, you, you've, already, you've already given your son up. He says, I know you fear me. I know you, you'll do what I tell you to do. So don't lay a hand on your son. Abraham lifted up his eyes and he turned around and looked. And there was the ram caught in the thicket behind him. So Abraham takes that. He kills the ram. Freeze Isaac. I'm sure Isaac was thrilled to that. And look at verse 14. Now here, and, then, and then we're going to tie all this together here. Verse 14. And Abram called the name of the place, the Lord will provide. And that, that is Jehovah Jireh. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. Now different translations say different things. I personally love the one that says, it says that the, it, uh, 
where it says the Lord will provide, because the word provide there is the word gyra, okay? It's, it's used like 48 times in the Old Testament. The only time that it's used for provide is here in Genesis chapter 22. Every other time that it's used, the word gyra means to see, vision, to look at. That's the reason a lot of times you'll see, when you see Jehovah Jireh, you'll also hear, most of the time you hear the Lord that provides, but sometimes you'll hear the Lord that sees. Now one of the translations I love is this, the Lord that will see to it. The Lord that will see to it. What that means is this, when God sees something, you have to remember, God is outside of time. God is not restrained by time like we are. When God sees a need, when God sees something happening, he's, He knows the end from the beginning, okay? So when God sees something, like, for example, in this situation, God knew that Abram would be on this mountain at this exact time, and He knew that there would have to be a sacrifice. So He, he provided that ram for that sacrifice to be at the exact place at the exact time when it was needed. Now let me ask you this question. What if Abraham, Abraham would have stopped at the second day and went up to just any old mountain and said, well, this mountain will be good enough. I know God told me to go over there, but I'm going to stop here and do it because I'm tired. Well, he would have built the altar and he would have killed his son and that would have been a bad story. But Abraham knew that obedience to God was a big thing. So he obeyed God. He went exactly where God told him to go. And the provision was where God said it would be. Look at the story. We won't take the time to look at it. In Kings, you see the story of Elijah. God tells him to go to the brook Cherish. And he told him, he said, he said, I will provide for you there. He goes to the brook. And then what happens? Now, this is one of those stories that just blows you away. We read it and we don't think no big thing of it. But, but Elijah goes to this place God tells him to go. And the Bible tells, tells us that ravens, birds, in the morning and in the evening, bring him bread and bring him meat. Every morning, Elijah wakes up and he hears wings flapping. And all of a sudden he looks up and they drop a loaf of bread in his hand. And then another one comes up beside it and they drop a quail. Or they drop some other kind of meat. And he makes his sandwich or his sub-sandwich and eats it and he's satisfied till evening. Then come evening time, he hears the birds again. Boom! There comes another loaf of bread. There comes some more meat. Makes his sub-sandwich and eats and is happy. Now think, now just really think about that. The Bible says that these birds brought Elijah bread and meat morning and night. Why? Because God said, I will provide for you there. And if Elijah was anywhere else, there'd be a pile of bread and a pile of meat there where God told Elijah to be. You see, many of you, many of us, many people, they're, they're sitting right beside their provision and don't even know it. Because they haven't obeyed and done what God told them to do. If you will not obey God in the last instruction He gave you, why would He give you 15 more? When you obey God, when God says do this and you do it, then guess what? 
God has already seen what He told you to do, and He's already provided what you need to accomplish it. So when you step out and you start doing what God tells you to do, the provision is already there. Why? Because God has prevision what you what He told you to do. So see, that goes back to what I was saying. When God sees, He's outside of time. He's He's He when He He knows the end from the beginning. He looks at our lives and He says, "Okay, I want to, you know here's what I told Stephen to do at this time." I can tell you this story. I can tell you the story of this church. And I can tell you that I know without a fact Jehovah Jireh has been a huge part of this church. Because I can tell you story after story how when God spoke to me and told me to do something, told us to do something, Stacey and I, when, when He spoke to us and said, do this, we stepped out thinking how in the world is this going to happen? And time and time again, provision was there. I'll tell you one story. I mean, I've told this story many times, but, but I was thinking about it last night and, and as, as I was preparing for this. You know, we got in, we got in this building and, and we were believing God for a ceiling. You know, for a drop ceiling. And we had got some quotes. It was something like $14,000. That was, we got like three quotes and it was going to cost like fourteen, fifteen thousand dollars $15,000 to put a, to put this ceiling in this room and in the, in the lobby area. Well, at the time we were very small. We only had a handful of people. I mean, probably 20, 30 people. And, and we didn't have the finances to do it. So we were going to camp. We were taking the kids to camp, and my pastor back at my home church had asked me to come preach homecoming. And we were going to drop our kids off, and they were staying with mom and dad, and I was going to preach homecoming. We were leaving there, going to going to youth camp. We were meeting the kids. Somebody was driving the kids to youth camp. We, we were going to meet them there. Well, it just so happened that my best friend growing up heard that I was going to be preaching, and he, he came to hear me preach there at, at the church I grew up in. We sat down and we were eating lunch after after the service. We were eating lunch and come to find out he had just recently, I think it was even that year or maybe the 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 winter before that or something, he had just recently became president of this company. He had bought, invested and and became part ownership of this company that installed ceilings. They installed sheetrock in ceilings. So long story short, I mean, it's a, it's a long story, but long story short, he came down and looked at it and, and God spoke to him and he just about didn't come, but God spoke to him and told him he needed to come. So he came down and he, and, you know, and, and he looked at what we were doing. He heard the story. Uh, he calls me up and he says, Stephen, he said, he said, uh, he said if, if you will pay my installers $1,000, he said, I'll put the ceiling in for you next week. Well, me being hard-headed told him, well, Chris, we hadn't even raised the money for the ceiling yet. I, I don't have $15,000. And he told me again, he said, he said if, you, if you can pay my installers $1,000, I'll put the ceiling in for you. Well, finally, it dawned on me that what he was saying was this, that the Lord had spoke to him and told him to purchase and install our ceiling, and all I had to do was pay his guys to put it in. $15,000. And God met that need just like that. Why? Now, now listen. What would have happened? What would have happened if I had done that three years earlier? We weren't in need of a ceiling. Or maybe I maybe I said, "Oh, well, I'm busy. I can't come preach that because I'm taking the kids to summer camp." And and, and Chris and I never met pass again. Our paths never crossed again. Then guess what? Y'all still may be looking at some bare bare rafters in here, like we had for so long. What, what are you saying? What I'm saying is this. God knew when he, when he designed this place for us, God saw into the future and said, one day they'll need a drop ceiling. 
So, among other things, he works this thing out to where somebody I know becomes president of this company and has the resources and the ability to say, I'll put that ceiling in for you. And the intersection crossed right at the right time because I'm doing what God told me to do. He's doing what God told him to do. And our paths cross at the exact time that it was needed for both of us. Can I introduce you to Jehovah Jireh, the God who sees and the God who provides? You see, God, He sees your need. And all He's asking you to do. What are the works? In the Old Testament, I know it talks a lot about works, and it talks a lot about, you know, you know them having to obey this and do this. You know, and, but in the, for the New Covenant, what is the works that He asks us to do? Because we're not saved by works. We can't, we can't read enough. We can't pray enough. We can't give enough. We can't, you know, do anything in our own ability enough to, to face God one day and say, I did it all myself. I deserve to go into heaven. The only work that you and I are to do in this, under the new covenant is simply to believe that Jesus has already done everything that's ever needed to be done. And our work is to believe. That He's already taken care of it. So see, when you believe, what did Abraham do? How did this work out for Abraham? Abraham believed that El Shaddai was sufficient for him because if El Shaddai caused him to have this baby, El Shaddai could raise him up from the dead if he needed to. And he stepped out and he trusted God and he, and he said, God, I trust you because I know who you are. And you see, El Shaddai, the, the God who sees, who sees to it that your provision will be there, all He's asking you to do is to say yes to Him. All He's asking you to do is when He says go, you go. When He says stop, you stop. Why? Because there's a crossroads, there's an intersection, there's a, there's a divine appointment somewhere, sometime. You might say, well, yeah, but Pastor, I, you know, I just got this and I got that and I'm just so busy. Well, then guess what? You're going to keep on struggling if you don't learn to obey God. If you don't learn to say yes to Him and your provision, listen, for every one of us, every, every situation we'll ever have, God has already provided the need for it. God is not up in heaven trying to, trying to come up with a way to meet your next need. It's there waiting on you. It's waiting on your yes. It's waiting on you, just like Abraham, when God shows up and says, Hey, do this. Early the next morning, I'm up and at it. And I'm, I'm going all the way. I'm not stopping halfway. I'm not, going, I'm not just doing a little bit and hoping that that's good enough. No. I'm doing what God tells me to do. And I'm obeying His Word. I'm doing, I'm doing this. So, so what about this? So, so Abraham, when he lifted up his eyes, he saw, I believe he saw into the future. I believe that he literally saw, that he literally understood and saw that Isaac was a picture of what God was going to do with his son. And you say, well, Pastor, why do you say that? Look, look, at, look at the end of this verse 14 here. And let me show you. This is pretty cool. So Abraham, verse 14, Abraham called the name of the place, the Lord will provide, or Jehovah Jireh, as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. 
it shall be provided. Abraham said, in this place, God will provide. Now, turn over to John chapter 8. We looked at this scripture a couple, I think maybe even last week, or maybe the week before. But look at John chapter 58, or John 8, verse 56. And this is where Jesus is having this conversation with, with some of the, some of the uh, Jews that were there, and they were, they were going back and forth about, you know, about Jesus saying he had a demon and all this. And, and uh, Jesus starts talking to them about, about Abraham. And, uh, and they start saying all this about Abraham. And then look at verse 54. Jesus said this. This is John 8, verse 54. Jesus answered and said, If I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my Father who honors me, of whom you say that He is your God. Yet you have not known Him, but I know Him. If I say I do not know Him, I shall be a liar like you. But I do know Him, and I keep His word. Now look at verse 56. This is interesting. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And he saw it and was glad. When did Abraham see that day? Could it be that when Abraham lifted up his eyes with Isaac there on the, on the altar, with him about to sacrifice his son, when he looked up and saw the sacrifice that was stuck in the bushes, he looked up that God could have given him a glance and said, this one day, this sacrifice will be offered right here on this place. And it'll be the answer for all humanity. It says, Abraham saw his day and was glad. And of course, their answer was like, you're not even 50 years old. How could you see Abraham? But could it be that when Abraham saw, he lifted up his eyes and he saw that that sacrifice there, that God showed him a picture. And that's the reason that he said the Lord will provide. And he said, and, and it was said of that mountain, on this mountain it shall be provided. In other words, he saw into the future enough to say that one day the sacrifice will be offered at this very place. And it will be enough for all of humanity. Now, you look at the life of Jesus. How does that relate to us? How, how do we, you know, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who sees, the Lord who provides. All throughout Jesus' life, time and time again, we see this, this, this attribute of Him. You remember in uh, Matthew 17, and just let, let's turn over there and just look at it real quick. I'll just show you this. Matthew 17. Are you all getting anything? Amen. Matthew 17. Now listen, I'm telling you, Jehovah Jireh is a huge part of our life. Because he's already seen... Listen, I mean, if, if, you, if you could just get this, God has already seen every need you will ever have. If you will just simply say yes to Him, the provision will be right there. Yeah, but I've got bills to pay. Yeah, well, if you will just obey what God tells you to do. What does that mean? Do I have to get five jobs? No, you listen to what God tells you to do. Amen. Amen. You know, it may mean, listen, it could be that He's telling you to pick up another job. I, I heard this story this week. It has nothing to do with this. I heard this story this week. This guy was, uh, this guy was, was talking and he said, that, he said that he felt like uh, they were needing some finances. And he said that he felt like that, that the Lord was telling him 
to take this job. And he's like, he's like, I've never worked two jobs in my life. He said, he said, I didn't know why. He said, I got a family. I didn't, I don't know why God told me to do this. He said, but, but he said, I just really felt like God told me to pick up this part-time job. And so, so he, so he obeyed the Lord. He talked to his wife about it. They, they agreed that, that it seemed like it was a God thing. They didn't understand it at the time. Two months into that job, two months into that job, he met this guy and, and, and had a relationship with this guy, you know, got to know this guy and, and this guy got to know him. And, and just out of the blue, this gentleman that met, he was like a waiter. He picked up the, a side job waiting tables or something like that. And this guy kept coming into this, this establishment he worked in. And he got to know this guy, and he was telling him all about things, and he was asking all these questions. And like two months after working at this place, this gentleman that he met at this place wrote a check that paid their house off. If he had never, if he had never worked that job, he never would have met this guy. Well, you think God will tell me to work two jobs? Well, I mean, El Shaddai may be setting something up for you. There may be an intersection. There may be a divine connection somewhere. Just because, just because God tells you to do something doesn't mean that the road is going to be just, sitting, just so easy that, that you're just not going to have to do anything. Now listen, I believe in grace. I believe in rest. I believe that we, that we rest in His finished work. But, but, you know, faith, sometimes the Bible says that faith without works is dead. You have, sometimes you put feet to your faith. You step out and do some things. You, I mean, you do, you do what you can do and let God do everything else. Amen. Not saying that we get into works and, and it's not a works mentality. Don't, don't, don't hear, hear, mishear me. But what I'm saying is this. You can't just sit back on your couch and expect God to bring a paycheck to you. Amen, Pastor. That's good preaching. All right, I'll go on. Matthew seven or Matthew seventeen, verse twenty-four. When they had come to Capernaum, those those who received the temple tax came to Peter and said, "Does your teacher not pay tax for the temple tax? Does not pay the temple tax?" And Peter said, "Yes." And when and when he had come into the house, Jesus anticipated him or knew what he was going to knew what was going on, saying, "What do you think, Simon?" From whom do the kings of the earth take customs or taxes? From their sons or from their strangers? And Peter said to him, from strangers. And Jesus said to him, then the sons are free. Nevertheless, lest we offend them, go to the sea, cast in a hook, and take the fish that comes up first. And when you have opened its mouth, you will find a piece of money. Take and give to them for me and you. Now, we read that story and think, oh, how cute. That's, that's cool. But do you realize that really happened? Peter went down to the ocean, or went down to the sea, cast, the, cast his fishing pole in, caught a fish, reeled that fish in. When he opened the fish's mouth, there was a coin in that fish's mouth enough to pay his taxes and Jesus' taxes. I hadn't lost my mind. I mean, that's, that's not a fairy tale. It really happened. How did it happen? Because Jehovah Jireh showed up. That coin was dropped at the right time. That fish had its mouth open at the right time. Peter caught the right fish. (laughs) 
Philippians 4. Last scripture. Come on now. This, I mean, this is too good for y'all to be so quiet. Philippians 4. You see, some of you, some of you just need to get a revelation. Some of you need to get in the Word and, and ask Him, is this really true? Are you that good? Do you love me that much? Could, this, could it really be true that, that all of my needs have already been met and you're just waiting on me to, to obey that last thing you told me to do? Yeah, but I figured it out myself, God. I, I know what you said, but I want to do it my way. Well, then you're coming up with your own provision. When we do it His way, it's His provision. Listen, I, could, I mean, guys, I could tell you story after story after story. I can tell you good stories and I can tell you bad stories about this church, about this building, about, about when God told me to do something and I didn't do it, and it cost. Because I didn't think that that would work. And I can tell you many stories where God told me to do something and I didn't understand it at the time, but I did it, and a ceiling got put in. Or, you know, I mean, or the building became ours. Or, I mean, I'll tell you one more. I mean, I, I, mean, I, I can tell you stories all day. I'm sitting in my office one day. I'm sitting in my office one day, and, and, uh, and the, Lord says, the Lord says, pick up the phone and call Martha. That was the lady that owned the building at the time. And uh, long, story, long story short, I hadn't talked to her in a long time. We, we had paid our bills, paid our rent. You know, our lease, we, we were in a lease purchase with her. And, and as a matter of fact, our, the, the original agreement had lapsed, but we had talked on the phone and said, well, we'll just do month to month for a while and we'll get together soon and, and do another contract and all this. Well, soon became a couple years and we just never had done nothing. And, you know, so we were in this building paying, you know, improving, doing everything we were doing to it. And we, we didn't even have a... a legal lease purchase agreement. At any time, they could have come in and said, y'all get out of here, and we would have had to. I mean, because we didn't have a, a signed legal document. So I'm sitting in my office one day, studying and getting ready for service, and the Lord says, call Martha. And of course, <laughs> like, like I always do, okay, Lord, I'll, I'll get around to that. And I heard again, now, call Martha. I mean, it was an urgency. So I said, well, I better call Martha. So I pick up the phone and I call her. And she, and she answers the phone and hears our conversation. Something like, it may not be identical, but something like this. I pick up the phone and I say, hey, Martha, this is Pastor Stephen. I said, uh, I said, you know, I said, I just hadn't talked to you in a while. I said, I just wanted to touch base and see how everything was going. She says, I cannot believe you just called me. And I was like, uh-oh, I, I thought it was something bad. She said, I just got off the phone with my son. And she said, I told him that I was going to call you and set up an appointment uh, with him. And she said, and she said, so, she said, so your call is perfect timing. She said, we're meeting with the lawyer tomorrow. Can you be at the lawyer's office? And I'm thinking, lawyer's office? What, you know, what, what in the world's happening? And then she said these words. She said, I don't know whether you've heard or not. She said, but, she said, but I'm dying. And she said, I've got terminal cancer. And she said, I don't have very long to live. And she said, I'm turning everything over to my son. And she said, I want you to meet him and to get everything in writing to where, to where everything's legal for you so that, so that when I pass away, everything will be taken care of. 
we go, I go to the lawyer's office, meet, meet her son the next day. I mean, just the favor of the Lord's all over it. Just, I mean, I can, that, that's a whole other story. But long story short, you know, we sign everything. She's dead two weeks later. Intersections. Jehovah Jireh saying, hey, get this taken care of. I made the phone call. I, I didn't even have to make the appointment. The appointment was already made. I just had to show up. Favor all over it. Listen, when you when you simply learn to obey God, Jehovah Jireh will provide. He's the God who will see to it. That was one of the names. That was one of the one of the, I think is the message translation maybe or one of those where it says the Lord will provide. He was it says he he is the Lord who will see to it. In other words, he will see to it that provision is where it needs to be. If you are where He tells you to be. Philippians 4.19 And my God shall supply all your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Well, Pastor, I just don't have the money. I'm struggling to pay my power bill. I'm... I'm struggling to pay this bill. I'm struggling to pay that bill. Well, Paul said that God would supply all of our need according to His riches in glory. Now, let me ask you this. Is there a shortage in heaven this morning? When I read about heaven, here's what I read about heaven. I read that in heaven that the streets are not, are not just paved in gold. A lot of times we say the streets are paved in gold. The Bible actually says that the streets are gold. Now listen. <laughs> the, the gates, the twelve gates that are around, the, around, around heaven, they're, they're, I, I can't even remember the size of them now. I mean, they're huge. I can't remember the exact size of them. But here's, here's one thing that will blow you away. Each gate is made out of one pearl. Now, a lot, some of you ladies have real pearl necklaces, and they're those little, those little beads that are very expensive. Could you imagine a gate, a pearl big enough to create a gate out of it? And I'm not talking about a gate you go into your backyard. I'm talking about hundreds of feet big. And that's the gate that gets into heaven. His riches are more than we could even fathom. And he and God said, now listen, He said that our need, He said that God will supply all your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Can I get you to believe, can I ask you to believe that Jehovah Jireh is your provider. That He sees your need and He has already provided. He's had, he had the prevision of what you would need and because He saw that need, He provided the provision so that when you showed up at the right place at the right time, right where He wanted you to be, the provision is already there. If you, if you, ha- if you are not seeing the provision, could it be you're at the wrong place? You're at the wrong intersection. You know, listen, if I told you, if I told you this, if I said, 
You know, okay, uh, today is the 12th of July. On the 14th of July, at 10 a.m., there's going to be there's going to be a meeting right here in this in this sanctuary, and everybody that is here, I'm going to write you a check for a thousand dollars. All you have to do is show up. Well, come Tuesday morning, I start getting texts. Well, Pastor, I can't show up, but can I still get a thousand dollars? Pastor, something came up. You know, but you said everybody got $1,000. Can I get $1,000? And then other people actually show up. And the ones that showed up get the check. The ones that didn't show up didn't get the check. Why? Because the check was for those that were where? Here. Now, don't come Tuesday because I'm not going to give you all a check for $1,000. <laughs> but what I, the point I'm making is this. So many of so so much of the time we're at the wrong place. So so many times we've we've reasoned it out in our head. Well, God can't be that good. That's really you know why would God do that for me? I mean, He talked about it this morning, even when, when, with what He was talking, what BJ was talking about this morning. Could God really want me to have that? Well, if He said it, yes. You just have to what? You have to listen and you have to believe and then just show up. Do what He tells you to do. And you know what? Jehovah Jireh, the God who will provide, the God who sees to it, the God who sees, He sees you. He sees your need. And He's already provided for it. That's the reason He gave you instructions to get to it. There's a scripture I can't I can't remember what the reference is right now, but in the Amplified it talks about how that the, the the blessings of God are fenced in and hidden for us. Those that walk the path, the the blessings of God are fenced in and hidden, just waiting for us to walk down the path and run into them. What if you're on a different path? Well, they'll stay fenced in and hidden. But guess what? If you're on the right path. Obeying what He says, then hallelujah, Jehovah Jireh, the God who will provide, will show up and show out. Amen. So Jesus, Jesus, He was the Lamb. He was the sacrifice. The Father, now I didn't really spend a lot of time on that, but, but listen, the Father sacrificed His Son right, right near the same mountain where He told Abraham to go to. Some people believe and believe it was on the same mountain. I mean, and it very well could be those, those places are real close together. But, but what I'm saying is this. God offered His only Son, the Son that He loved, He offered Him as a sacrifice for all of us. Jesus became that, that sacrifice for all of us. All we have to do, how do we receive it? All we do is believe. We believe that that price was paid for us. And when we believe that, we receive everything that He is, everything that He has, is ours. Jehovah Jireh, the God who will provide, that's who He wants to be for you. Elohim, Jehovah Yahweh, Adonai, El Shaddai, Jehovah Jireh, that is still, that is who He is. And that is who He wants to be to you today. Amen? Let's bow our heads for a moment. If you're here today, listen. The first instruction we all have to obey. 
is the instruction that we make Him the Lord and Savior of our life. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as, as your Lord and Savior, if you've never invited Him into your life and, and you've never surrendered your life to Him, then today is a great day. Because listen, Jehovah Jireh, man, the God who will provide, He is here today. Amen. And, and if you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior and you've never invited Him to be the Lord and Savior of your life, there's no better day than today for you to receive uh, the greatest gift you'll ever get, and that's eternal life. So if you're here today and, and you just, if you're here today and you don't know Him as your Savior, would you just slip your hand up? I'd love to be able to pray. Maybe you're not sure. Maybe you say, Pastor, I'm not 100% certain that I know Him uh, as my Savior, but I really want to know today. Anybody in the house today would say that. I want to, I want to pray for you. And, and, uh, and if you're there at home, listen, if you're watching on Facebook and, and you have a question, you don't know that, that, that Jesus is your Lord, get in touch with me. Put a comment on there. I'll email you. I'll get in touch with you. I'll pray with you. I'd love to do that. But if you're, so no, so I'm taking it by no raised hands that we're all born again. Y'all can lift your heads up and look at me. You know, um, I wish that I could lay hands on you and get this imparted into you, but this is one of those things that you just have to, you have to get the revelation. You have to receive that revelation. Let the Holy Spirit reveal those things to you. He is the revealer. He's, he wants to reveal. He wants to show you who He truly is. Amen? So I encourage you, go home, pray, and spend some time in the Word, and just ask the Lord. Ask the Lord to reveal to you, you know, who Jehovah Jireh really is. And how He wants to provide for you. And when you do that, I'm promising you, man, He's going to come through in a big way for you. It's going to be an incredible, it's an incredible thing when you learn, when you start learning who Jehovah Jireh really is. And who all, all these different attributes of God. They're the same, He's the same God, but He just has so many different attributes and so many different things that He wants to be for you. Amen. So if you need prayer, I'd love to pray with you. Um, and so let's stand to our feet just for a moment, and then we're going to be dismissed. But if you need prayer, make your way down to the front. Stacey and I'd love to pray with you. Any need whatsoever, if you need healing, if you need uh, salvation, or if you need baptism of the Holy Spirit, man, we'd love to pray with you. I, I believe in prayer. I believe on laying on of hands. And you know, and one of the things that one of the things that we really I didn't even touch on this today. One of the things that we really need to do is that we need to watch our words. Abraham said what he believed. He said, the lad and I are going to worship and we will be back. He said, the Lord, He will provide. This is the mount where the Lord will provide. He, he said what he believed. I encourage you today, make sure you're saying what God's saying about this, about this, this COVID-19, about, about, you know, I know a, a big topic right now is about our kids going back to school. Don't be talking about sickness and disease in school. Come on. You need to start speaking that God that God will protect you. Amen. I mean, I, I know, well, yeah, Pastor, but this... No, you need to agree with God, not the world. Our kids will be protected, and my kids will be protected. My, it will not come near my house. Listen, Psalm 90... Let me just real quick. Just hang with me. Just, just 30 seconds. I was reading this this morning. Listen to this. Talking about our words. The first, the first two verses uh, from the Amplified, the first four, four verses. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall remain stable and fixed under the shadow of the Almighty, whose power no foe can withstand. Then verse 2, he said this, I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge 
and my fortress. My God, on Him I lean and rely, and in Him I confidently trust. Then verse 3 and 4 says this, For then He will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. Verse 4, Then, now listen to this, Then He will cover you with His pinions, and under His wings you shall trust and find refuge. When will you find refuge? When you say, He is my refuge. You have to say some things. You have to start saying, He is my refuge. And when you start saying what He says, then that's when you'll find what He says. Come on. Abraham said, the lad and I are going yonder to worship and we will come back. Guess what happened? They both came back. Read Psalm 91. Make it your confession. Believe what it says. Agree with God. And don't buy, don't buy into the, the, the hysteria of, the, of what the world is trying to tell you. Is it real? Yes, it's real. I understand that. I'm not belittling. I'm just saying I think God's got a whole bigger grip on it than, than what the world does. I think I'll stick with Him. Amen. That's all I'm going to say about it. Amen. God bless you guys. I love you all. I pray that Jehovah Jireh shows Himself strong on your behalf this week. Amen.